Welcome back to the Boardroom Banter Podcast, where we take a deep dive into the journeys, ideas, and reflections of the incredible people who are building a better tomorrow. This is a conversation by builders and for builders. Whether you're building a career, your skills, a startup, or even a life that you can be massively proud of, we give you an exclusive behind-the-scenes look into the thoughts and stories of our amazing peers and mentors who are doing just that. So sit back, take a deep breath, and get ready to step into the boardroom. That means this is about to be a fire episode. I hear that. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to the Boardroom Banter Podcast. Today, both hosts are back. My name is Bonfessor Mina, your local noisemaker. And in studio with me is... None other than Sean Karanja, your host here today with Bunny. We're excited about today's episode. And you know, as usual, our number one goal and priority is to bring you guys conversations that matter from people who are doing big things, doing things that, you know you want to do in the next couple of years or you have no idea how it is done or <laughs> you know we, we we're out here kind of ready just, yeah opening kind of ready fire eyes. aim it yeah we, we're here to open our own eyes into you know what different industry experts are up to especially on the continent right we've we've been talking to a couple of individuals who you know have let's just say have blown our minds you know over the past couple of um podcast episodes if not even all of our podcast episodes um bonnie i don't know about you but i find myself listening to our episodes like three four times after we've posted it right i'll be honest and make a habit (laughs) yeah yeah you try to make a habit yeah no I, i i try and make a habit of writing down let's say five or six key takeaways so if yeah if 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 i didn't listen to the full episode what what would i have taken away from that whole conversation Mm. you know and so yeah no i mean it would be awesome actually to hear from you guys as the listeners as you're listening to our podcast drop us some of your comments dm dm us you know what are some of the takeaways that you're getting from the conversations we're having? Because we're really keen to hear from you guys. Now, today, we're going back into an industry we haven't really touched on since our early, early episodes. And that's the world of marketing and communications, right? Every brand needs to be out there and not just be out there, but they need to be out there and shine and stand out you know this is the age of yeah. of twitter fingers uh which means to these twitter fingers tiktok fingers you know quick responses <laughs> and content quick swipes. fingers basically yeah i mean like we're not spending much time considering you know the mission and vision and story behind brands we just want them to stand out right and yeah. that could be a problem or an opportunity for different brands and the guest that we have today is a marketing executive with over 10 years of senior level experience leading cross-functional joint delivery teams and building the most loved local and global brands in the fast-moving consumer goods segment 
telecommunication, and most recently, financial service sectors. She's currently the executive head of group marketing at Nedbank, based in South Africa. And previously, she's worked in interesting places like PepsiCo, Doritos, um, Vodacom. So these are <laughs> brands that, you know, we interact with a lot. And I'm really, really excited to introduce to you guys, none other than Ntabi Seng. Uh, oops, 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 oops. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> So funny, you know, I was I was looking at the wrong. <laughs> Malteca, wrong Malteca. And, and it just had one Malteca. name. So I was like, wait, where's the other one? Malteca. Okay, there, there it is. We, we, we may or may not Malteca. edit this out, Sean. Right? Just so you know, we may or may not edit this out. Matseka, right? Matseka. Yeah. There we go. We've got none other than Tabiseng Matseka in the boardroom Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo. all the way from, I don't know if it's sunny <laughs> or if it's rainy, down south in South sunny Africa. Sunny today. Yeah. It's sunny. <laughs> sunny today after lots of rain. Welcome to the boardroom, Tabiseng. How Thank are you feeling so today? Thank you so Fantastic to be here, always energized by opportunity to, to talk to people I wouldn't engage in my, in my everyday life. Um, but as I was saying in the beginning, lots on the go, you know, slap bang, almost in the middle of the year, time to take stock of, you know, how we've done, what we still need to press on and going forward to end the year truly successfully. Love it, love it. Um, and, you know, one of the things that we rather one reason why we've been super excited to have this conversation is because marketing is something that you know here in the boardroom we we take very seriously (laughs) um and enjoy it very much because of how how dynamic it is and how dynamic how dynamically it shifts over over the course of time and with with global trends with you know as Sean was saying, Twitter fingers, you know, TikTok fingers. Mm. And, you know, if there's, if, if there's a band out there that isn't on TikTok right now, then they are slacking, um, you know, and we just like to get a bit more perspective um, from your experience in the industry, which you value super much. But before we even get there, right, um, we'd like to take our listeners, just give them a bit more context into who you are. So, if you were to speak to your children um, about the work that you do, right? Who is who is Ntabi today, right? And what what does your day to day life look like in the marketing space, um, career wise and also personal? Awesome. Um, I think I'd quite simply say to them, I'm probably the luckiest person I know, and I love other people who feel lucky because that's just been the story of my life personally and and I think um, professionally as well. Nothing about my beginning says, you know, there's a straight line why this person necessarily um, got there, but it's been a series, I think, of of really amazing experiences along the way. And I think if I had to take them through a journey, I'd say from my own humble beginnings, with opportunities given by NGOs and other fantastic companies who invested in the growth of 
children from townships um, at the time, because I grew up in Soweto, which was a township in, in Johannesburg, and getting an opportunity, you know, coming from the family that I have, to be able to get a much better education that's fully paid for um, by somebody else, right through to varsity, where I'm now finding my feet, because I, st I actually studied economics and not uh, marketing, um, and found myself in the marketing world through one of the most fantastic opportunities of my life in a graduate management program um, at Mars, where I was allowed, you know, the opportunities to truly almost package what I'd like to learn in my in putting together my own profile as, as a junior manager and obviously started the course of where I am today. But I always tell my kids in terms of my work now is that all I have to do is really make sure people's hearts and minds are aware of whatever particular brand um, we've put together, that I have a very keen ear in terms of listening to what those people's perceptions are. Because at the end of the day, I can write all the PowerPoint slides that I like in the boardroom. Um, but if people's perceptions of what we are doing as, as brands, as, as marketers is, is not aligned to that, then the brand is actually what a collection of those people's perceptions and not necessarily what I've put in my PowerPoint slides. And getting them to be aware of that, to consider it amongst many that compete in the same category and be willing to pay a particular price for that experience um, and hopefully remain loyal, you know, in that particular business so they grow in the lifetime value to the business but also in their own satisfaction in terms of whatever product they bought in my context today, that would be some sort of financial service um, or product over time is really, really what I aim for. How do I win somebody's heart and mind to get them, you know, to truly consider this brand as something that really is going to solve a particular tension or problem in their lives and to give them such an amazing experience that they want to stay there and explore even more options uh, from that particular business. And personally, That's as I've alluded, obviously, I'm a mom. Um, I always, I've got three kids, uh, but I always tell my husband and other people that three kids is almost the modern day 10 kids, you know? <laughs> them young, I've got my two boys and my daughter. And uh, yeah, and that's how I learn a lot because I, I always believe that my kids, you know, are, are with me for a reason. And they are a big part of raising me. And I love co-creating an experience for them with them where they truly are seen and they feel worthy just because they are, not because they, you know, they had to do something fancy to impress me. I really like that you, you've got something I think I'm hearing for the first time, um, you know, especially com coming from a, a marketing executive or someone who's in marketing, I, I'm starting to see that you've got you've got a big focus on on problem solving as as a tool that you know you seem to be using to you know put together what you called you know really high end and uh, comprehensive experiences for whoever you're you're doing marketing for. I'm curious because you know you also said that you studied economics, which is way way out of the scope of 
you know, what we traditionally think would be the path for you to get to where you've gotten to, right? And so yeah. I'm curious, and probably the listeners also curious, you know, what did, what did your early career look like? Um, so let's say, you know, in your, in around like your 20s when, you know, you were mm. busy navigating things like probably university, et cetera, um, where to go to work. What did what did what did that stage of your life look like, and what are some of the key career decisions you made at that time in your early career that have set you up to be on the track that you are on right now? Yeah, that's an amazing question, and I'd start off by saying, I mean, going into university, and first of all, when I was in high school, I was always like the science student, you know, maths, etc. Everybody expected me, I think, to, to go into that field. So going, you know, almost a commerce route um, was also a little bit unexpected from, from my family, but I was quite passionate about, you know, working and growing and direction setting for businesses one day. And studying economics at the time was, you know, one of my favorite subjects. And I, I honestly did not have um, the foresight to to say one day I'll find myself in the marketing space. But it worked well for me because when I finished studying, I had applied for a number of graduate programs and was accepted at my favorite one at Mars and a company that I loved because they taught me so many fantastic values just around egalitarian businesses where people are, are equal, you know? But when I got there, my initial thought was that I would walk in and probably work in a supply management or revenue management function. And I was lucky that the graduate program was built in such a way that you didn't have to focus on, on one thing. And so I said to them, you know what, I'll also try my hand at a division at the time that was called trade marketing. And because this was a fast moving consumer goods company that sold pet food and um, other food and also snack food brands, you know, like m and Snickers, et cetera. Those are some of their brands. Um, I was allowed you know, to take this, this adventure and go into a trade marketing function. And what I quickly learned is, first of all, what I studied was not you know, just uh, something completely separate from what I was doing in the marketing space. If you look in the economic world from a micro economics perspective, it's important to learn about supply and demand. And if you're working in fast moving consumer goods, this is what you're continually controlling as a, as a marketer anyway. You need to understand how to grow demand for your products and brands amongst particular customers, et cetera, and be able to work with your internal teams in terms of building future capacity to be able to produce for, for whatever demand that you've created with your marketing work. And from a macroeconomics perspective, that is probably the start point of truly getting to the heart, like the deep-seated insights about our customers, because we need to understand the world that they, they live in. You know, if you are working in a country, you know, like the one I, I, I live in now, where there is high unemployment, for example, and that is youth unemployment, and you are working on a youth brand, it's very important that you're in touch with that particular context so that you are not creating work and expressing ideas that are completely tone deaf to the real reality of, of your actual customers. So it actually was a fantastic start point. 
And I think having the right leaders uh, and the right environment created in that company for me to be able to say, I'll work in trade marketing and really, and I found out, geez, I actually love this and I'm actually good at it, um, but I want to end up in a marketing role because I could see what those people were doing, you know, at the business at the time, what marketing managers were busy with and to get the support and the challenge as well that says, okay, fantastic. You can change your mind and end up in a marketing role, but to be a great marketer in this business, we believe you not only have to know about trade marketing, you need to understand what managing brands is, you need to understand what sales is. And I had to you know, move from home, go and live in um, KwaZulu-Natal in Durban for about six months, working in a sales role, which I really didn't like, but I understood the bigger picture around needing to do well in that role and understand that value chain in terms of the continuum of activities that that company creates to be able to get to the customer before I could become, you know, a junior marketing manager in that particular contest. So that was me, I think, in my early career and in a company where culturally, I think, also set me up to think, hey, things don't have to be hierarchical. Uh, people are equal. We are all associates of this business. And it's almost been a big part of what's shaped my just my foresight on how I look at things in the work environment, even though I've worked for companies with very different cultures um, since then. And from Mars, I joined um, Simba um, at a time when that company was having um, a few issues. And I spent about eight years um, in my 20s at Simba in five different roles, working across so many different brands. And th that was one of the, uh, the decisions that I made there. Once I was there and I saw, geez, you know, a marketing role here is actually huge because there's no additional person to do, you know, public relations for you or events for you or to help you manage sponsorships or to help you understand media. I took the opportunity to be able to do a role that has all of that breadth and, and depth um, so I could understand the full value chain of marketing roles, activities, and you know what happens in that particular department. And it was fantastic for me, obviously, because it came with growth in terms of promotions and being able to work on different roles, but truly understanding that. And also coming into it, I guess, a little bit naive, especially when you are younger and able to really make some, what we call behaves, those big, hairy, audacious goals for, for the business. And I was the person who would stand up and say, okay, you told me I'm gonna work on Doritos. Okay, it's currently one of the smaller brands, not doing that well um, since you know, we brought it in from um, our international business. But I can tell you now, I'm going to double the size of this brand um, in the next year. And people would literally like, you know, wanna pack out laughing because it's like, that sounds ridiculous. But that's because I knew I would take the time to do the work to understand why are South Africans not buying this flavor? Okay, firstly, they don't understand what's in the packet because it's named whatever, intergalactic or whatever it may be, when people just want to know it's a sweet chili flavor. You know, South Africans just want to know, is it cheddar cheese? Is it, don't come with the fancy stuff. Tell us what's in the pack. So little changes like that, like telling people exactly what's in the packaging, you know, making um, other financial products, maybe to make sure that the brand is a little more profitable connecting with sales teams so that you understand what their challenges are and how you, you put together a selling story that truly helps them um, with all of that stuff. 
and leading the course at the time for me in terms of pioneering from a digital marketing perspective, which is not something that the business was doing at the time. This was sometime in the mid 2000s. And I became that person who is, you know, the youth marketer would attend every one of those conferences, took the chance of saying our current agency doesn't understand digital marketing. I can see from what I'm reading and seeing in the world that this is where the world is moving. So I will make a different decision to work with a different partner who may be a smaller agency, but has all the time in the world to experiment um, with me um, and not only want to work on big campaigns to truly get this right. And I can tell you now, I did. I did more than double the size of, of the brand. In fact, it became one of the third biggest brands in the business um, overall. And over the course of the years that I was there, had a compounded annual growth in the highest double digits. So it truly was, it became like an amazing story where I could tell people, remember when you laughed when I said, you're just gonna double this thing. Now it's a lot more <laughs> than actually doubled. And it was all just a series of working with different people in the business to come up with a solution. And when you talked about problem solving and leading up to this question, that's exactly what it is. And that's what I feel creativity is. It's not, you know, coloring in and um, arts and crafts. Creativity is about solving problems and thinking about things differently and, and truly getting to the heat of that. So I would say being willing to work on all of these different things is one of the key things that I did in my future, in my, in my, in my the early stages of my career, not my future, but also in terms of making sure that I learn about different industries so after eight years in a fantastic company, making the move to telecoms was probably the biggest, you know, cultural and learning shock for myself, not just in terms of a new industry, but in terms of the way of work, because I was joining a business that was very much led by technology and product teams, um, where marketing took a little bit of a backseat at the time, because it was in a growth phase of the industry. So getting there and being able to make sure that marketing now sits at the table, participates at the right level in terms of direction setting um, for the business and how we own our customers, how we understand our market and use you know, the data that we have, especially when you're a telco, to truly get closer to, to customers and enable some truly fantastic um, experiences were probably the two decisions that really helped shape my career, I would say, in my 20s. Tabi, I absolutely love, love this conversation right now. And the crazy thing is, uh, I'm going to take the listeners back to our Founders Friday episode a couple of weeks back, right? We we're talking about um, the state of our education. And it was a question mm-hmm. of how can we move from school to work? And this was after we had a chat with um, one of the founders of um, Amani Institute, um, Roshan Paul. And there's something that Sean had actually mentioned and I'd like to loop him in um, on this one. He said that, you know, as young people, the shift that's happening right now in the workspace brought about by COVID, a lot of the, the different, the disparities that, you know, have been brought to light, you know, with, with how the workspace is changing. Um, there's a focus on finding places where you can add value, not just where you can be employed. And I'm, um, from how you described your early your early um, career experience, you were you were in an environment that gave you the autonomy, right, to be able to express both discover and express yourself to the fullest. 
right? Because any any positive discovery, positive expression within a certain environment only goes to uplift it and make it better, right? And I think getting getting that right sugar spice everything nice type of type of mix for companies is the internal i feel like it's the holy grail of internal culture right the the setups we see at companies like google um mm. that's the one that i know about at right? netflix um they have the employees are empowered and have that autonomy to be able to who have this idea i'm gonna run with it and see where uh, where it takes us and i think you know with Mm. with what stage that the three of us are, are currently in here at ALU of looking for internships, one of the biggest things that we look at when we're applying for a job somewhere, when we're in interview rooms and asking, you know, asking questions to our interviewers as well, one of the main questions is, how are you going to contribute to my professional development? Right. Mm. What about what is it about your internal culture that will allow me to be able to maximize my potential? Right. Because before coming to work with you or for you, I'm an entrepreneur. Right. Mm. Um, this is just uh, to the three of us. Right. I'm an entrepreneur. I have big ideas. I take big risks. Um, this is what I do on a daily. Can I be able to bring this to your company? And what's that exchange of value? And Sean actually um, mentioned this about two, what day, two days ago of how the experiences that he's had, because he's further along um, in ALU than, than the both of us. He has always found himself, himself in certain internship positions where he's been able to maximize on his potential. So I'd love um, for you to talk a bit on that, Sean, as related to, um, to the conversation of internal culture and values. Yeah, definitely. Um... I think one of one of the really cool things about our you know our world is shrinking right there's there's this sense of you know we're able to get Ntabi on a call with us we're in Mauritius <laughs> she's in SA you know um, yeah we've got experiences that we can all relate to you know we're all working in this Africa that just seems to be getting smaller and smaller in in a good way um, mm. it's getting smaller but opportunities are bigger and I, I think one of the things that, you know, I found was, was really cool uh, and, and something that I think we've been privileged to get here at the African Leadership University is studying with a bunch of Africans from, you know, countries all over the continent and actually realizing that, you know, we, we definitely have a lot more in common than we have um, you know, in terms of differences, right? And be it culturally, be it this or that. Um, I I remember, I I remember one of, one of the interesting things that I had done in 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 one of the startups that you know I've had been running for a while, Project Exponential, right? And so we we started this gap year program, and we found a couple of people within our class who are from, you know different countries and so one of the things we had to figure out was first of all marketing for an audience that is not necessarily going to be kenyan right how 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 do you relate to people who are not exactly from where you're from 
but still, you know, be able to include them in the conversation. Um, I know, I know Boniface, Boniface, because he's in events, he's in events specifically. Um, one of the things that Boniface is always trying to figure out, um, and, and this I know for sure is, um, how, how can I create an event where everyone will have a good time, you know? And it's like, okay, maybe Ntabi is into Ama Piano, maybe, you know, Boniface. She said she, said know, she grew up in Soweto. Me and DJ yeah. Yui were already, because <laughs> Yui is the DJ, right, Ntabi? Yeah. So we were already thinking, ah, 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 this weekend we need to do something. Yeah. This <laughs> so podcast, we need a soundtrack. In, in the beginning, you know, Ntabi, you need to advise us on <laughs> of music. Of course, <laughs> of course. <laughs> Yeah, that and, will add and, extra and, spice. Yeah, and Tabi, I'm, I'm, I'm curious though because you know we, we've seen it in, in our capacities as, as, as young starting entrepreneurs on the ground. You know, like mm. we have to manage a bunch of different people's expectations, people's backgrounds. Uh, what, what did that look like for you in your industry? You know, and, and you've worked in various industries. You know, right now you're in finance, but before you were in consumer goods. You had mentioned that you know you're trying to sell Doritos at some point and, you know, the flavors need to make sense to someone or if you're (laughs) trying to sell chocolates or you're trying to sell um, telecom products, it has to be communicated in a way that makes sense to people. Um, And, and so what I understood just from your role and, and, and what you do in marketing is, you know, you've got internal diversity to deal with right number one within your organization and you've got external diversity to work with right so the guys who you're communicating with right so you've got these two worlds that you're you're trying to balance and i'm very curious just just from your experience you know we hear it we we hear a lot of these buzzwords diversity inclusion Mm. equity um gender pay gap (laughs) is that you know are, are, are these buzzwords or do you actually interact with these concepts on, on a day-to-day? No, they are real concepts, very real concepts. Yeah. And uh, particularly for me, who's grown up in South Africa, and that being one of the most unequal you know, countries in the world, um, disparities for people across many demographic and other markers is a real thing. Um, me being a Black woman, African woman, really has dictated a lot of the stuff that would have been my my experience. And I liked it when you guys were talking about um, the music, et cetera, because there's a a really fantastic lady, uh, Nini Mulefe, who has done a lot of diversity, um, inclusion, and equity work um, with us at, at the bank. And one of the examples she always makes is that, you know, diversity would be like you guys inviting me to to your party and um, inclusion would be maybe you ask me to dance, you know, now also at the party center saying, you know, you can also come onto the dance floor, you include me in in what you're doing. Um, but real equity is when I'm also now allowed to say, listen, after that, I'm a piano track. Can we play, you know, this kind of song? Because you've created an environment where 
I'm not just at your party, but you know, I'm a wallflower. I can't really participate. The cool kids are there, but I'm included in the dancing and I feel empowered to even ask you for the music that, that I like. And for me, that's how you really get the best out of team. So similarly to you know, your interview experience where you're asking how the company will impact you, the one thing that I always look at as a hiring manager when looking for skills is not how people fit into my team because that's not, I've already got those kinds of people, is looking for people who actually add to the teams. I don't look for culture fits, I look for culture adds. Somebody who brings something different, who's going to challenge the team and our thinking in a different ways. Because what tends to happen, even in diverse environments like the workplace, is that you end up hiring people who look and sound like you because it's, you know, it's comfortable. Um, and when you need new people, you're also reaching out to the networks of the people that you know. So you never really have the opportunity to truly, truly, you know, have real culture adds into your business. And for me, diversity is one of the key ingredients for creativity. Uh, and I believe creativity is how we bring about growth um, in, in businesses. So it's, it's a really important um, ingredient, I feel, to, to get right. But in the workplace, that's all you can do, making sure that you're conscious of ads to your business and not just people who fit in to what you've already set up, but who adds to what you currently have. Yes, it will take some time in you know, making sure that teams can work well together because when people are very different, it takes some time, but it's not impossible. Um, with just real dialogue, authenticity, and leaning into even your own vulnerability at the end of the day. And where consumers are concerned, honestly, all of us just have to listen. And we have to understand that as much as I can be, you know, Tabi saying who grew up in Soweto and now is the executive head of group marketing at NetBank, that is not the story. I don't know everything about every single person's life, you know, in, in Soweto. I have to be willing to listen when somebody says, actually, this is what I look like. This is my experience, you know, of this particular place. And having me, yes, will make sure that when I see you know, an ad, maybe let's say an ad agency creates that really is just not, you know, authentic or truthful in those people's stories that I call it out. Um, you know, a big one for me, and they know me for this at, at, at work, is managing our marketing responsibility around how we, you know, we do or don't stereotype particular genders, for example, for stories about women then tend to be the same stories, especially stories about black women. It's the same kind of humor, it's the same kind of roles, et cetera. They're never really the protagonist in the story. So it's up to me to not only be, you know, a diverse face sitting in that team, but to be a diverse face that feels psychologically safe and I have an equitable position to be able to put forward my thinking to say, actually, that doesn't make sense. Or actually, it's quite offensive, you know, to now think all oh, Black women must behave in this way or to have three different stories where this is what it looks like. That is a responsibility that you must have, you must share, and you must be able to freely express in the business for diversity to truly be an ingredient for creativity and for relevance of whatever you create for, for customers and consumers out there. Yeah. Wow, Ntabi. I'm one thing that I'm picking from this, and 
I resonate with so, so much, right, is when you, when we begin speaking about telling stories, right, and driving mm-hmm. narratives and how as, as drivers of these narratives, we have a responsibility that is very different, especially because we're African. And as yeah. you mentioned for you, it's different because you're an African woman. Mm-hmm. When during our ALU, the ALU Rwanda graduation this year, one of the keynote speakers, well, the keynote speaker was um, Vusi, Vusi Tembequai. Shout out to Vusi. Vusi, mm-hmm. we're trying to get Vusi on this podcast. Um, but hopefully, hopefully he'll, he'll grace us with his presence um, very soon. But you know, one of the things that, that he, gave an <laughs> analogy, he, he gave an analogy about is um, this quote that's usually misquoted, or rather mis, hmm? miscommunicated, right? Of as long as, wow, I'm going to have to paraphrase this. Forgive me, Vusi. Yeah. Um, it, it was like speaking about Chino Achebe, right? Yeah, do you remember like, the exact quote? As long as the, as as long as, the, you know what this is edited. Let's quickly Google this thing, hey. Tabi, please allow us, <laughs> allow us to Google this real quick. <laughs> <laughs> Whose quote is this? Uh, it's it's it's. No no, 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 we don't want to spoil it. No, 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 we don't want to spoil it. Oh, let's not spoil it. <laughs> yeah, we're we're gonna have to say it like. Like you just heard it. Like mm-hmm. you know, we're not Vusi's here. Vusi had it, had this thing on point. Yeah, he wasn't even reading from anywhere. Mm. He must have, right? Let's, so it says, okay, um, um, you "There's a great forward that until the lions have their own historians, the history of the hunt will always glorify the hunter." And the mis the misrepresentation that Vusi Vusi pointed out is that people usually misquote it and say, "As long as the lions write their history." But that's not the case, right? There's until the lions have their own historians, right? So you have the lions and you have the historians. And what's incredible is you need the historians to tell the stories of the lions, right? And of the jungle and of the landscape. So when you look at, not bringing that back to um, what you mentioned about marketing responsibility is as as we're communicating as, as historians, right? Tailoring Uh the marketing campaigns, tailoring which word do we use? Which phrasing do we use? Oh, we have a title for this podcast. Which word do we use to draw in, Mm. to draw in listeners, right? But within the confines of our very strict values, value Mm. systems that we follow. And when I look at, when I look at now the thing that, uh, what you and I do with events and what Sean alluded to is, we look at every event as another opportunity to tell someone's story. So even as an mm. event designer, when I know that Yuri is going to be um, the DJ, he has a certain lineup of songs, encompassing songs from this region and this region. We have another DJ here, the location, the schools that we're bringing in, the students from all over the island who come from all over the continent. One of the biggest questions we ask ourselves is, are we representing ourselves, first of all, to the fullest as the historians, in this case, the lions, which, you know, for us, we look at, you know, our audience members, our artists, our creatives, are they being represented and the audience mm-hmm. themselves, like how, so it's, it's, 
it's something that you we we may not always get right, but as long as we we try to the best of our ability to stay true to yeah. the narrative that's true, that's real, that's our lived experiences, mm. that that will always rule at the end of the day, right? And I'd love to hear from you on some of the some of the approaches are the key things that you keep in mind when tailoring these narratives and what are some things that you know young people out here building brands not just as entrepreneurs but with the the current digital space and content space everyone is a brand do you have an instagram page bam that's a brand you can <laughs> brand influencer. you can build your following you can get paid to advertise other brands right what are some of the key things in terms of back to marketing responsibility that is important to be aware of when building global brands, but also when building individual brands. Yeah. And, and maybe some of the, pr- to, yeah. Sorry. Maybe to add to that, like some of us want to transition from just being an individual brand. So, so talk, talk to us about building the individual one. And then also maybe how can we transition into it scaling globally, you know, yeah. Some of us, you know, we don't always want to play small or someone might be afraid that they can only play small, you know. Is, is, is there a way maybe you would think of, you know, building a brand, taking it global as well? I would say, first of all, I think just in terms of the core foundations that probably go across both for me is to build a, a brand with any kind of longevity, you have to increase trust with the next person who's creating a perception about you or your brand or whatever you're doing and to increase trust. There's really basic things you need to do. One, be reliable. So if this is you personally, you know, be where you need to be, do it the way you're supposed to do it. If this is you as a brand um, manager, a business out there that holds many brands, show up the way your customers are, 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 are expecting, you know, be reliable in terms of what you say you're going to do. If you say this product is going to make my hair grow this long <laughs> in 15 minutes, then it better do that. Secondly, I think be congruent. Do what you say you're going to do. You know, what you say and what you do should be aligned. Um, so if you keep saying one thing, you can paint all the pretty pictures on Instagram or whatever it is, but soon enough, somebody's going to open up this product or they're going to see you in person and they're going to be like, eh, looks nothing like the picture on Instagram. Or, oh, actually, I know the 10 horrible things that are going ha- happening in this person's life, but you know they're posting champagne glasses or whatever it is every day. So there's no congruence to the reality of what you keep saying and what you 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 actually keep keep doing and i think openness to saying when you've made a mistake own up to it whether you're a big brand conglomerate or you're a human being building some sort of brand um, around yourself when you've made a mistake you know own up to it be open to saying, okay, I don't know it all. I'm going to learn something new. I'm going to improve as I go. I don't know how many times do you get, uh, if you guys have iPhones, software updates or whatever it is from Apple, you don't say every time you see it, ah, why didn't they get this right? You know, the 
the first time, you're allowing them to experiment and continually improve. And it's the same with our lives. We shouldn't be afraid. We should have the right psychological safety to say, I can show up here. If I've made a mistake, I can own up to it without expecting other people to judge me because that's how I, you know, I approach the next person. But just that openness, congruence, I think, and, and relatability for me are the things that truly go, go a long way. And I think just lastly, just try as much as you can to almost dedicate yourself to a, a, a core set of values around those things and truly understand what your professional meaning is. If that brand is professional one or even in your, in your personal life, what does it mean for you, you know, personally? What kind of experience do you want to deliver for other people? That can be me trying to brand myself as a fantastic manager, for example, then I need to care about the experience of my team. If it's you, you know, in the context of what you're doing now, you need to care about the experience of the people that you deliver those events to. Um, and really, really also, what is the meaning for it for your clients or the people who you know, on the other side, creating those things and also your mission and what, what imprint you want to leave in society at the end of the day. I mean, what do you want to leave behind? What are the top two things that you want people to know you for as an individual, for your mission um, in life? Um, and just through all of those core sets of values, I think that you've carried to me. And for me, whether you're building that personally or as a big business, a core set of values are the same. People and people they can trust, who are open, who do what they say they're going to do. Um, and whether you've chosen that to be a punk rock band or you just want to be known for being a fantastic podcast host or whatever it is, the core set of values are, are really the same for, for me. Yeah. Well, I'm definitely taking that into practice ASAP. Mm. Uh, well, yeah, Sean, my like notebook that. is full. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, you guys sure saw me, you saw me jotting that. down all of this. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, this, this is lie. a masterclass, don't everyone. Authentic. That catches up with yeah. everyone, whether it's a business mm-hmm. or a human being at yeah. some point. And it must really be draining, you know? <laughs> I love what you said about putting lipstick on pigs all the time. Wow. <laughs> That's another, I'll write that one down. <laughs> putting a lipstick on pigs. Yeah. Tab, you yeah, said something cool. very, the, my biggest takeaway from that question that we asked you is, you, know, you said dedicate yourself to a certain set of values. And what this yeah. reminds me is, you know, before... We'll send you our profiles after this, um, Sean, you and I. You'll notice how, how serially entrepreneurial we are. <laughs> and one of the things that, mm-hmm. you know, I think both you, or the three of us had a conversation about was, you know what, we're going to start this podcast, right? We don't know what it's going to turn into. We don't know how long we're going to do it. Where, so for example, next month, you, you both Sean and I are traveling back to Kenya. Um, before we travel to other places um, later on in the year, Yuri is staying around and then he'll, so by next month we'll be different places. So we, we haven't even figured out how we're going to manage the logistics, right? But the biggest thing that we promised ourselves it, 
we're going to ride this one out. This specific yeah. podcast, mm. we're just going to do it. Come rain, comes no. If we don't have a guest, we'll interview ourselves. You know, <laughs> and and I, <laughs> bro, because but we that's a powerful content. thing you're saying, right? Yeah. Yeah, because it's around it being connected to a purpose. Mm-hmm. If you're connected to a purpose, you don't get tired because if you just connect yourself to plans, you know, then you're going to get tired because plans change all the time. But yeah. if you know, I'm going to Mauritius tomorrow, you know, whether I'm first going to drive to Cape Town and then fly from there or whether I'm going to, you know, get on a boat or whatever it is, is irrelevant. At the end of the day, the purpose is I am going to, you know, Mauritius, I'm going to hang out with Yuri and Boniface and Sean. But yeah. you'll get there somehow. You just don't have to be married to plans. Be married to the purpose of what you're trying to achieve. And that as a North Star will always energize you much more mm. than any detailed plan of, you know, how to, to get there. Fantastic. Dabi, yeah. this 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 has been energizing um i i think what 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 it reminds me of is you know when you hear these stories of these serial entrepreneurs who you know started a business here uh sold it went somewhere else built something else you know elon muskish uh, type types of stories one thing now in hindsight that i think has just popped up into my head is that it's not necessarily that they're going off starting new businesses because, you know, they, they don't have a sense of focus or settled on one thing mm-hmm. or the other, um, or, or even professionals who have gone from one company to the next um, and, you know, are still mm-hmm. excelling in, in, in what they do. A lot of it comes down to, you know, exactly what you're saying. They've been focused on a core set of principles and, um, objectives and and I'm pretty sure that's that's how it was for you right because you've worked in a whole lot of different you know ends of the earth in terms of um, you know the, <laughs> the purposes and 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 what these companies do but you know fundamentally at the end of the day your objective was can we communicate what this brand does and how it can change people's lives like no matter what the brand is, no matter what the company is. And, you know, I, I think yeah. that's something I'm going to sit down and really pen down, right? What, no matter where I'm working at or no matter what I'm building, what is it that I am, you know, committed to making sure takes place through my work and um, through the impact that I make on people? So, yeah, this brings us to Fantastic always to our- connect to the why. Yeah, I love that. Um, this, first of all, this conversation I is, for that. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely <laughs> going to I'm going to have a really fire Twitter session. You know, lots of quotes I'm going to drop. We're going to market this episode correct. We're going to do you justice. But this brings us to I think our favorite section of of the podcast right it's bittersweet Mm -hmm. because it's marking us coming towards the end of our chat but it's what we call the elevator session right so picture this right we've just had our fantastic conversation within the boardroom 
Boniface has asked his questions. Yuri has been there in the background as he always is. They're all watching Yuri, you know, <laughs> putting together our technicals. Um, you know, we've had our chat and you've exchanged your value. Now you're walking out yeah. and you're about to head off to your to the elevator to go down to your shiny executive limo you know provided by boardroom banter of course you know we'll take you back to your residence i'll be waiting <laughs> just ju just as you're getting to the elevator our young eager enterprising and curious intern stops you just as you're getting into the elevator so imagine the doors are closing and pap a hand comes through comes in to join you and this intern has got a bunch of questions but can only wait till the elevator gets down because Ntabi is busy so mm. are you ready to step into the elevator and answer some of our quick fire <laughs> questions <laughs> sure <laughs> yeah no pressure yeah. no pressure Cool. So we will start with the first one. So number one, what are some quick habits that you've picked up over the last six or so months? Or, or to make it easier, let's say within the pandemic period, right? What are some of the habits that you've picked up that have helped you to work better and to be healthier mentally, physically, professionally. What what are some of those key habits? Without a doubt, this pandemic. Yeah, understanding my energy sources and how to manage them, and that goes with my yeah. body. So taking my walks in the morning, I know completely clears my head. I'm in awe of nature. Yeah. I'm happy. My mind, and right through to what brings meaning to me and who do I want to connect to. And I think a lot about reciprocity in my relationship. Who's given me something fantastic? What can I give back, you know, to, to this particular um, relationship or person? So for me, managing my energy, body, mind, meaning, and heart is absolutely how I've gotten through the pandemic and it's, it's madness. Beautiful. Um, I, think, I think still on that note, right? What... Um, what has being a mother taught you about communication, right? Is it, is it simplicity? Is it being direct? I'm very curious. <laughs> simplicity, definitely. Telling people what you told them, telling them again and telling them again, usually mm -hmm. sticks. <laughs> so it's usually done more than once. And sometimes yeah. you have to try different um, approaches. Um, for something to be able to, to stick. And usually, if I make the end really exciting, I think the storytelling comes with, you know, you bringing everything into it. Song, your gestures, your mm. previous experience, the humor, etc. So think about all of the elements, you know, that make it a story that somebody, you know, wants to stand there and truly listen, you know. Often my kids, I'd want to tell them something simple, but because I started by, you know, my grandmother that you guys never met, they suddenly want to listen or, um, and ask for feedback. 
Um, I do that with my kids. Sometimes the feedback is great. Sometimes the feedback is like a bit useless, like, oh, daddy, we didn't like the meat that you cooked you know, last week or whatever it is. But sometimes it's good feedback, like you're on your phone a lot or whatever it may be. I don't feel like you're listening to me if you behave this way, et cetera. And there are opportunities yeah. for you to grow, you know, with the people that you're telling the story to. Wow, that's beautiful, Fabi. I love that. Dabi, that, that reminds me, you know, I have, I have two younger brothers. They, they just turned seven and communicating with yeah. them is just a, it's, it's a whole other ball game. So I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> now speak, speaking of kids. You must find strategies for them. Put them in the backseat oh, of the car. You'll see how much more they'll talk about they say. And I always say with kids, you know, if you ask vanilla questions, then you get vanilla answers. So also make your questions, you know, interesting if you just say how's your day they're always going to say fine but if you say what made you smile today who made you happy who did you play with you know what irritated you today then you're likely to get a little bit more color into that story so vanilla mm. questions vanilla answers so you must also be interesting as a person who's questioning oh, yeah. and developing a story to get really cool answers out of people yeah, when when I get that brother of the year award, definitely shout me out. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you, guys are, talk, you guys are playing too much. Of, <laughs> <laughs> speak, speaking of speaking of kids, right? I I know Tabi, you've, you've you've watched a couple of cartoons here and there. Um, most of them against your will. Mm-hmm. Um, who 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 would you say? You know, just anyone in general. Um, who who would you say is your superhero, right? Like someone who you're just like, this this is my hero. Cartoons. <laughs> or it doesn't have to be, no, it doesn't have to be the a cartoon, cartoon character. I'm, oh, I'm, outside I'm just of saying, the cartoon like, world, that's very yeah. clear for me. It, it will always be my grandmother. She's just absolutely yeah. rocking. Um, who, you know, accepted me as a baby, born from very young parents. You Wait, know, who couldn't necessarily your, your grandmother. I needed at my grandmother, yeah. So she's absolutely my rock star in terms of having yeah. been a cheerleader throughout my, I mean, she's late now, but having been the cheerleader in my life who laughed at all of my crazy things when I said, this is what I'm going to be doing. And it just seemed, you know, too big and grand or whatever for her. Um, at the time, I always remember those things, I think, you know, really fondly and how many kids she raised or helped raise, et cetera, is absolutely my my grandmother and my grandfather even though he passed away when i was much younger yeah but cartoons it would have to be snoopy the peanut world um because i think they're just such a powerful duo you know <laughs> whether yeah. he's going out on the conquest to get a new girlfriend or whatever it is with this animal that doesn't <laughs> even speak but they somehow you know get it done together so for me they're like a great partnership duo that I really um, admire in terms of the adventures they go on and what they give to each other without necessarily even speaking the same language. Yeah, awesome. Love it. This elevator is taking a bit too long. Now we're we're on the Khalifa. We're on the Burj Khalifa. We're We're almost there. We're almost there. Two last questions, um, Ntabi. So what is one thing that you don't compromise on? when it comes to your work? My authenticity. Mm. I, you know, I wear my heart on my sleeve. It's something important to me. I'm going to 
say it um, the best way I know how, <laughs> the most respectful, but I am who I am. I'm, I don't try to be, you know, what somebody else is. There may be other people who have you know, big grand personalities or whatever it may be. I'm not them. And I find my individuality um, and what people play back to me when talking about, you know, brands around those perceptions that people hold about something is aligned to, you know, who I want to be um, in the world. So I live my life as authentically as I can. Um, I try to stay away from those pigs with lipstick. Uh, I'd rather just see the pig or see the real lipstick person. <laughs> but I think my authenticity is one thing that, uh, you know, if I have to be something yeah. other than myself, then it's not the environment for me. And that is not my tribe that I'm with at the time. Staying true to yourself and authenticity. Fantastic. Right. Our last question. Uh, if you were to have a billboard put up on the busiest street, so any mm -hmm. street of your choice that's busy, many people pass by it, many people are going to see this billboard, right? Uh, I know you're in marketing, so I, I know your wheels are already turning. So it's a blank <laughs> billboard <laughs> and you could write anything you want on it, any message that you know many people will see. What would mm -hmm. you write on it? Sure. Um, probably give generously, you know? That's one of the things that makes me feel alive. And I'm not talking necessarily about things. Um, I'm talking about giving just from, you know, how you connect with people, how you leave them feeling. Um, and yes, how you make an impact, you know, in for yourself, giving generously to yourself, but also to, to other people. Um, for me, that's one of the things that makes me feel most alive is when I feel like I've given something into myself, a situation, a moment, an experience, um, and I've truly been present um, in it. Yeah. That's beautiful. That's a beautiful. That's a beautiful way to, um, to wrap this up for us. And you know, this, <laughs> this particular conversation ranks up there, up there for me, um, because I remember, you know, the, the initial introduction that we had to our podcast um, a couple of weeks ago, um, before we changed it, you know, we, uh, we spoke about you know how you know, we 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 love our goal is to bring bring together industry leaders and young leaders, right? And you know the the perception is usually you know we turn to people these industry experts expecting them to fill our cup with the understanding that it's an exchange of value and that if we fill it, if we fill up each other's cup, it's a much, it's a much sweeter, sweeter cup to drink from. And, and yeah. I, I think I'm leaving this conversation having felt like, having felt fulfilled, full, fulfilled. fulfilled. <laughs> um, so I appreciate you so much for that, um, Sabi. <laughs> Thank Thanks, you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. We're not going to forgive didn't. you for that one. What? <laughs> <laughs> I, dropped, I dropped a solid one there. 
the <laughs> we'll see what the audience thinks about that. We're not editing it. <laughs> Dabi, that, thank you so much for your that's time. Amazing. And I guess that's yeah. the spirit in which we connect. Thank you. Thank you guys. Definitely. Listeners, thank you all for joining us today. We have been your hosts, Sean Karanja and Bonifacio. Local lawyers make up. Yes, sir. We had Dabi Seng here in the boardroom. And yeah, it's been a great conversation. I hope that you guys will join us on our next podcast episode. But until then, have a great week. Enjoy yourselves. And don't forget to do your best, right? Whatever it may be, go out there and do it. None of us are going to make it out of this place alive anyway. So you might as I well I saw that tweet. <laughs> Sean tweeted that yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) See you guys on the next one.